0: Welcome to the Views Podcast with your hosts, Nate Farmer-Eden and Cole Farrow. Get ready to move even closer to financial freedom as they reveal the real estate investing strategies you need to acquire assets you can cash flow or flip. Now, let's get into today's show. Welcome, 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 everybody. We have now just launched episode one, the Multifamily family mastery meetup. The views. Oh, it just sounds amazing. It just rolls off the tongue. I am your co-host. Wish I could say that I did all by myself, but I definitely did not. Your co-host Nate Farm Reading, and allow me to bring in my co-host as well, Cole Farrell. How you doing, Cole?
1: Doing good. Doing good. How
0: about you? Doing well, man. This is exciting, bro. I, I mean, I can't believe it. I mean, we literally were just thinking about launching this and we're like, you know what? 10X or no X at all, man. We're just going to go. I'm stoked. Can you
1: talk about that intro too? That music. I was all hyped up.
0: Dude, I was dancing in the background. I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. I was, I was having a great time. I'm like, only 30 <laughs> seconds? I'm pulling out my best moves for this. So
1: good. It's, so good. It
0: was good. It was good.
1: So before we jump in, right? Let's run through a couple quick housekeeping items. Um, first, if this is your first time listening, please leave us a rating review so that we can grow and educate others. We would really appreciate it. Um, second, please subscribe. There should be a button. Don't miss the episodes. You're gonna love them. And third, buckle up. It's gonna be a hell of a ride.
0: God, oh, it's gonna be so crazy. It's gonna be good though. It's gonna be really good. So today, just for episode one, we kind of just want to give you guys a little bit of a backstory where we came from, how we got started, what interests us in the real estate realm, and what's really going to propel and drive us forward and what what kind of visions we see moving forward or what views are we looking towards, right? So I guess I will take the helm and just ask you first, Cole, if you don't mind, tell me about your real estate journey. What got you here? What brought you here?
1: Yeah, great question. So I'm going to try to make it relatively short and sweet, but I'll give you all the good details. So when I was super young, I everyone asked me, you know, what do you want to do? What do you want to be, et cetera? And I would always just say, I want to be a millionaire. And I never really had a concrete plan. That was just the answer. And as I got older, you know, started going to college, started figuring things out. And uh, my dad had clients that were successful. And he would always ask them, you know, what do you do? How'd you get your wealth? Whatever it was. And all these guys said, I own a business and, or I own real estate. And so we always talked about this as I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do being young. And he was like, look, man, you should check out this real estate thing, you know, see what it's about. And I was like, cool. So we ended up meeting this guy and he had a real estate portfolio and we went to dinner with him and we just really hit it off. We really enjoyed each other's company. And we started learning from this guy and I being, you know, very young loved his lifestyle. He could kind of do what he wanted. Um, he kind of get the things that he needed or wanted without really any restrictions. It was just a cool thing to see, And I was like, I want to do that. So we kept going to dinner, kept building this relationship and he kept dropping these hints like, Hey man, you don't have any money. You need to ask somebody, you need to ask somebody other people's money. And I was like, I don't know what to do with that. And one day we're at dinner and he was saying it and it hit me like a brick. And he was like, he's asking me to ask him, but he won't say it. And I was like, this guy's a genius. So I said, Hey man, you know, i didn't say it like that obviously but i was like listen uh will you finance a property for me and he was like yes i'm in and i was like oh my god so a couple of weeks go by i get a call and uh he's like hey are you still want to do real estate still interested i'm like of course yeah and he's like great i just bought a duplex that means you own a duplex and you owe me a mortgage so monday show up at my office and we'll go from there and i was like oh my god so We'll start going a little quicker. So started learning from him. He became my first mentor, and it was fantastic. We learned everything. Um, you know, drug dealing tenants, evictions, countersuits, appeals, higher courts, you name it, destroyed units. It was, it was a trek. Collecting cash for rent from these guys that are drug dealers, it was, it was a trek. And anyways, got it <laughs> stabilized and realized this is awesome. This is kind of what I wanted to do. And at that time, I was bartending my way through schools, getting my bachelor's in finance, and COVID hit. And so everything shut down. And I was like, you know what? This is a perfect opportunity to jump into something deep. So I had a friend uh, that I met at a meetup, really not a friend at the time. I just knew this guy and he had a management company and he, I I reached out to him. I was like, Hey man, I want to start a management company. What do you think? And he was like, let's, let's talk. So went to that meeting with him and he was like, look, you don't really know what you're doing. Maybe you should come work with me for a little bit. And I was like, all right, so I'm going to work for him for two months and then start my management company. And two months turned into two years and it became the best apprenticeship I could have asked for. Their family took me under their wing and were just absolutely incredible. And so we learned everything through them. I started management with them, brought on clients, did anything under the sun from digging up sewer lines in the basement to redoing an entire house top to bottom, bringing down the studs, electrical, plumbing, you name it. And we worked really well together, but I eventually got sick of management. And I started building my own portfolio on the side. We acquired a seven-unit portfolio, another three units, another single-family seller finance. And was sick of management. So fired all my clients, got out of that. And the guy, his name was Nick. We worked really, really well together. And we're like, how do we take our relationship to the next level and build bigger, but not do this management thing, which we don't really want to do? So we started getting into flipping, wholetailing, things like that and we still do that. We hold, um, or we flip or hotel, you know, five to 10 deals a year. And after that, and that started getting, getting a base, I finally started Vulcan capital, which I wanted to get into. And I finally had the experience base network, et cetera, to do it. And went live, um, joined a coaching program right after with that and kind of had the right arena and closed our first deal in April. And then was trying to build bigger, build better. And uh, through our coaching mastermind and some mutual connections, met uh, this guy right here, and we hit it off. And, you know, we just started building together, and here we are.
0: Dude, I love it. I love it. I mean, holy cow, man. So many similarities to, to you know, some of the background and, and getting into, like, the management side and then realizing that's not for me. Let me make a pivot, go this direction, dude, man. It's an honor, a privilege, and a pleasure, man, to be here with you, man. So thank you Likewise. for sharing the story.
1: Likewise. So right back at you. What got you here, Nate?
0: My story started back undergrad. I'm actually social worker by trade. And so because of that, once I graduated, I decided that I wanted to figure out a way to give back to the community. So uh, I was actually a community center director for the Salvation Army for a while. And it wasn't long after I had held that role that I got a call from one of my fraternal brothers. And he reached out to me and he's like, hey, I'm actually doing some development, but I'm picking up a portfolio, smaller portfolio of uh, 254 units in Madison, Wisconsin, and then 81 units in Fitchburg, Wisconsin. And make a long story longer, he's like one of the things that I need to do is bring somebody in that can sort of act as kind of like in the middle between property management and then tenant relations. He's like, you're from Madison, you know, the area, you know, the market, and you've got a social work background. I think it'd be a great fit for you. So I'm like, I know zero about real estate at this time, but you know what? Sign me up. So I I took the role. This was back in 2014. And as soon as I got boots on the ground, I'm looking around, and I'm initially just completely overwhelmed. 254 units here, 81 there, a total of about 1,000 residents. So I, I, I need to figure out a quick strategy, talk to ownership, talk to a couple of folks that were close to me, and they're like, you should probably do like a needs analysis or like an assessment, figure out what the community could best uh, best suited for them for growth and development. I'm like, you know what? That's a great idea. So I did. So, I, I met with as many out of the thousand residents as I could. This was like meetings in the afternoon, morning, and evening in vacant uh, units. Uh, we did units in uh, the community center. I'm just bringing people in, phone calls, whatever. Compiling all this data, did a couple of resumes, a couple of surveys. Like, I'm just going through it, crossing things off. And I, I to this day, and I wish I could take credit to, for any of it, but I can't. We've got anything from after school programs, uh, financial education, credit repair. Resume building, mock interviews, a plethora of different things. Right. But one of the big things that happened in there that I realized is that they don't always tell you this. When you're going for social work, you're making zero dollars. Like you're not really making anything. Right. So in 2016, so I've been there, you know, about a year and a half, almost two years now. I'm like, what separates me being boots on the ground from those that are buying up real estate? And it was one key factor, and that's ownership. And I'm like, What do I need to do to cross over that bridge to be able to generate uh, generational wealth, to be able to have things to be able to pass down for legacies to come, you know, what have you. And I I did some studying. Again, nothing about real estate. Didn't quite understand it, didn't quite grasp it yet. So I jumped on YouTube, watched a couple of uh, podcasts. I'm like, okay, there's this thing called First Time Home Buyers and it's a program out there and I can utilize that. So my fiance, now girlfriend at the time, we're like, this is what we're gonna do. We're going to go ahead and separate our addresses. You go one direction and you go ahead and get a single family house and you go the other direction and house hack the mess out of a duplex, right? right. We're going to house hack the duplex. I'm like, you know what? That's a genius idea. I think we can make it work. I think we can pull it off. And we did. So she bought the single family house that we're in right now. Definitely not this one. Cause this is a green screen. <laughs> not going to lie to y'all out there. I know beautiful. y'all was wondering. It's beautiful. I, I appreciate this. Uh, Little search on Google, found it from. It's fine. You know, it's yeah. good. It's good. But no, in all seriousness, what, I, what ended up happening from that was, it, it was a pivotal point because I was able to find a duplex in Beloit, Wisconsin. It was an upper lower and everything was already done. Hmm. Fully vacant, new siding, new roof, new flooring, two bedroom, one bath lower, one bath, one bed upper. And at the time, and this was in 2017 that I closed on it, I bought that entire duplex and I came with a garage and came with a garage, the FHA style, and the price on it was only $64,900, $64, $9. Right. so the coolest part, because I'm in social work and I didn't make a ton of money, I was able to lean on the city of Beloit and they're like, hey, you know you qualify for this grant, right? You don't make a ton of money, so we'll actually pay you six grand to buy this place. <laughs> I said, "What?" They're like, "Yeah," and because you're going FHA, we're going to because you went through the program. We'll actually pay down some of your closing costs. I walked into closing and I paid. I believe it was seventeen hundred dollars is what I had to come to the closing table with. Oh
1: my gosh. seventeen
0: hundred dollars, and I got six thousand against the principal. So Ooh. I'm like, dude, and the only stipulation is that I can't sell it, can't refinance for for five years. I'm like, oh, that's easy. I'm just going to hold on to it infinitely. I mm-hmm. had no idea what Burr was. had no idea about any of that fun stuff because it was already done. I had nothing I had to really do to it except put tenants in there. That turned out to be a nightmare. Story for another time. <laughs> I mean, I, I learned very quickly because here's one of the things that they don't always tell you. Becoming a property owner, especially when you're thinking with like an investment mentality, is awesome. But the moment that you do it, you become the homeowner. You become the maintenance guy. You become... Every any and everything, right? It all falls on you. Oh, yeah. if, you're not, if you're not grounded for like property management or had nothing like no understanding or concept of what it is to be able to have your own tenants, oh, you're in for a heck of a ride. And I definitely <laughs> was, I definitely was. And that's where I'm saying a lot of the similarities. I'm talking kicked in doors, uh, flooded basements because somebody decided to break a water heater. I'm talking just a plethora awesome. of different things. I had zero system set in place, it's just me, and I'm like. We'll go for it. So to speed up the story just a little bit here, what ended up happening next is I ended up linking up with a couple of mentors, learned about the BR strategy, and then from there, I actually completed my first Burr on a duplex that uh, we can talk about in another episode. But I, I used to manage for it. I actually got it under contract, wholesaled it to myself. So again, I paid myself to buy it. With the down payment, I used OPM. For those that might not know, stands for other people's money. Cole's just talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I finished it. And by the time I finished it out... I took it back to the bank and the bank was like, yeah, it appraises 19 K higher. So the cool part about it is they actually gave me a check for $30,000, completed the whole burr. And then at that point they were like, the mortgage on is like 1200. I got one tenant in this property for 13 in the upper. And then another one on the downstairs is going for uh, about 1100 right now. So uh, again, these, these are home runs and I'm seeing the process work, you know, and and I'm sitting back and looking at the books and I'm like, slowly but surely I'm starting to figure out ways to be able to eventually make more money on the real estate side than I am making on the social work side. So eventually I'll be able to transition over. Hasn't happened yet, but eventually it will. Um, but yes, yeah, so that's really what got me into where I was, where I am now, because the mentors brought me into a mastermind to talk about, go, like it's one of those big deal. You're one big deal away is what they always keep telling me. And so I'm like, I'm, I'm doing the residence, doing the duplexes. But now what about multifamily? So I'm like, I got a taste for the smaller stuff, but let me go big or go home. Let me see what it's like. So from there, as Cole said, one of my mentors, Mike Ely, shout out to him. He's got multiple coaches. We've got Tim Vest, Keisha Kennedy, Devon Reeves, John Kasman. John Kasman's John also got John a mastermind. Yeah, shout out to shout out to Coach Kasman. And Coach Kasman, one of his mentees, happens to be this guy named Cole. I don't know if you've heard of him, but the dude is he is legit. Dude is amazing. So two of us just ended up meeting up. And I mean, the rest is kind of history. And now we just views ahead, man. That's what it is.
1: Yeah, that's cool. It's cool. It's neat to hear a piece of your story that I didn't know. And I love how many different times you put in these really cool creative strategies and benefited massively from it. And each time it's a bigger and bigger success. So kudos to you. That's insane. Um, that. So up to speed, right? Bring me into what you invest in now. You know, what what do you look for? What's your criteria? What are you searching for?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So because of the, the I guess you can call it upbringing and, and from a lot of what I found success in, Biggest successes have come from value add, so I like to focus on where I can go ahead, find something that's got a little bit of meat on the bone, something where I can go in, whether it be renovation, whether it be somebody else may have forgotten to do uh, some deferred maintenance, rather be, I mean, it could be something as as small as, hey, what's known as lost to lease for those that might not know, something as simple as, hey, uh, market has now since shifted, especially since COVID, rent should be sitting at about eleven hundred, but we just forgot about this property and we're only sitting at six hundred. Things like that, I eat up all day long. You know, I, I love those because it just allows me to go in. It's a little bit different metric when, when you're talking multifamily on the commercial aspect and, and how you calculate value versus on the residential side. And that's something that I've learned. And we'll, we'll go into it well, more in depth on different episodes. Sure. Um, but I, I love somewhere in anywhere between like the 20 to 50 unit range. It's my bread and butter. And for, for those that might be interested or those that are out there or might be interested in uh, having a conversation offline, uh, I love to be able to try to provide at least a 7% prep for my investors, co-founder of Eden Capital, a syndication firm. And honestly, if I can do a 2X EM, 2X equity multiple for those that might not know for the terminology as well, I like to do that as well at the bare minimum for good returns. And-, and yeah, I think kind of in a nutshell, that's right around where, where I'm at, and I, I prefer B and C class neighborhoods, mm. but I, that's just the quick answer, but I, I mean, enough about me. I feel like I've been talking for the last, I don't know, I'm not even looking at the time, but I've been talking too much, man. Cole, what, what do you like to invest in? Where's your bread and butter?
1: You know what's funny is I would say the same thing, ironically, oh, it's almost like we're partners, but I, you know, God. it might be a hunch. Dude! <laughs>
0: I love it. I love it. I love it. You
1: couldn't have said it better.
0: Oh, man. Okay. All right. I'll I'll give you that one. So then I guess moving on, considering you want to just take that answer and whatever. (laughs) What do you do for finance? How are you structuring these deals? Or what would you do to be able to close on something like this?
1: Yeah, great question. So I hate saying it depends. But it depends, right? It depends on deal size. It depends on the situation and I'll go into that. So the financing method we use is greatly going to depend on what the property looks like and what our projections are. And the best way to explain it is there's three main ways that we can finance something. We can do government debt, also known as agency, also known as, you know, CMBS, something like that. Or we could do bank or credit union financing, which is more like a local route, or we could do bridge. So bridge is the other route. So Let's start with bridge then. So if we're going to go into a property, right? And super below rent, not performing very well. Maybe it's high, high vacancy, things like that. A normal bank, government bank, whatever agency, they're not going to qualify. They're not going to let you have financing on it because it's not performing. A lot of times, if it's not even meeting the DSCR requirements, um, which stands for debt service coverage ratio, meaning making a break-even and or a profit over your, your debt service. We can go into that more another time. Um, if it doesn't hit a certain threshold, they won't lend on it. So in this case, you can get a bridge loan, which will be a short-term loan, but a high interest rate, and then you'll refinance that out uh, into you know something more permanent. We don't really love to use that. However, situations come <laughs> up where it's good. So... <laughs> That's an option that's in the back pocket, but not our preferred method. Our preferred method is definitely going either agency and or bank. Um, Bank is in, you know, federal federal credit unions, something smaller. And so agency has their own requirements and they have a little bit better terms, but it's much more difficult to hit their terms. So it depends on if the property is performing as is and if it's performing enough to qualify for agency as is. It also depends on our plans. They are very in-depth. Otherwise, we would go with, you know, local credit unions or local banks. And they're usually have a little bit, a little bit less favorable terms. However, they can work with stuff that, you know, you might not need a perfect DSCR as long as you have a good story. And they they can play around a little more. They have a little bit more leeway just in any kind of deal. So my point is, it depends on what the deal looks like is how we finance it. Is it something we're local to that we live nearby that we can do back credit and doesn't need a little bit of a story or is it something that's a perfectly performing asset and we're just going to make it better? Or is it something that is a absolute disaster and we're going to go get bruised debt and refinance out and et cetera. So a couple different ways, but depends.
0: Dude, that was a killer answer. I, <laughs> I love that. I'm glad we jumped to that question and gave it to you. Cause I was not going to get all into that. Detail, man. I, <laughs> Thing. I get
1: excited about that. It's just uh, something I'm passionate about, I,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can see. I, I mean, it, it's almost like you've got like an MBA or something. I, I don't know.
1: No, it's, no, no, no. It may be one, but it, it's, whatever. it's just
0: one. I, I mean, we see the hats behind you. It's...
1: Listen, speaking of MBAs, right, let's talk about challenges. <laughs> so oh, go dude. into challenges that you've faced, whether starting something now or something in the future. What, tell us more.
0: Challenges, holy cow, where do I or lesson? Uh, less challenges, and I mean, it's all wrapped into one. Honestly, one of the biggest challenges that I faced, and I, I guess I can expand upon it now, is very similar like what I said when you first pick up a property, first grab the property, you get all those responsibilities. So, what did Nate do in that aspect? I'm like, you know what? I think I've got a hack to be able to make this work. So, naturally, what I decided to do is, I'm like, I'm going to get myself a roommate for upstairs and that's going to be amazing because if I'm not at the property for whatever reason, my roommate will be able to watch over it for the lower unit instead of marketing it. I'm going to find, and here's the kicker. You're going to look at me sideways. Everybody else that's out there going to look at me sideways. I didn't know I'm like, let me go ahead and rent to somebody that's either a friend or a family. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't know. I know. I know. I know. The uh, head goes back. I didn't know. No one told me, bro. Rule no one number one, Nate. Yeah. No one told me. I'm like, okay, we're going to do this because this is going to be so much easier because I know the person. I like the person. I trust the person. At one point in time, this person was my boss. I'm like, this is going to be amazing. It's going to be great. I'm like, I, I know how this person functions. It's going to be okay. Well, I was wrong. I was dead wrong. I'm talking, here, here's a life lesson for myself. I decided to go ahead and break that rule of not running your friends and family. Found out within 10 months, not only was the utilities all cut off, but the house had now turned into like what would be known as like a drug house. Every door kicked in, all all the, the locks were broken, holes in every single one of the walls. It was just a nightmare. And then to be able to get myself out of it, I had to learn quick, fast, and in a hurry. So there's a term that's floating around. I don't know if anybody else has come up with it yet or heard of it yet, but... It became more popular through COVID. Cash for keys. One of those situations to where, hey, I I need to get this tenant out, and they're not, they're not going. I gotta figure something out. So I was able to creatively figure out a structure to be able to get this person and and all the things that were going along with it because it was going south very quickly. Out to be able to stabilize the property again, Uh, but it was just a lesson learned, right? And and growing and moving forward. One of the biggest issues that I had, not only was it just the whole friends and family situation, but it was the fact that Nate didn't put systems in place. I didn't know what it meant to have systems in place, right? Back then, one of the big things that I did was I'm like, it's fine for me to accept cash. Why not? If I'm going to go and pick up rent, I just, just a drive down, I'll go and grab it in cash, and no one's ever going to say anything. It'll be good. I'll deposit it, and we'll figure out tags. Heck no, dude. What the <laughs> heck was I thinking, man? Zero, zero, there was zero systems. I mean, today, now we utilize something that I, I think you use Appfolio, I use apartments.com. It makes it so much easier. Mm. You know, no, no more having to go and try to pick this out. No more trying to double check the ledger on late days if there's a grace period or whatever. It's all done automatically for me. And that by no means is apartments.com or AppFolio folio a sponsor for us. We're not telling anybody out there that's watching this to go ahead and do it. I'm just letting you know the systems that I've used, some of the stuff that I put in place. Same thing for Cole, just putting it out there as a disclaimer. But I mean, those are like two of the two of the biggest lessons that cost me a lot. That I'm still now to this day trying to recover to be able to figure out, okay, I know what not to do. Now let me try to figure out how I can make this a lot better. But I mean, how about you, man? There's gotta be some.
1: I love it. Oh, it's a great question. So many things. You know, one of the ones that I want to touch on, and we kind of hit it earlier, but we'll kinda of circle back, is oh. when I got the seven year portfolio, I was told it would be evaluated after we did all the renovations and increased the rents. So it would still be or would be evaluated based on NOI, right? Because it's more than five units, but that was incorrect because it was made up of smaller units, AKA the portfolio, right? So it was five single family homes and a duplex. And everyone said, and a lot of the mortgage guys I talked to, Oh, it's seven units. You know, I know that they're you know separate, but it's still, it's going to go off NOI. It's going to go off NOI. And my NOI afterwards, after, you know, perform, et cetera, was killer. We would have crushed the appraisal. However, the appraiser came in and was like, no, man, like this is going off of comps because it's still a single family home and a duplex. It doesn't matter how many units it is. This is the base. We're going off of basic oh. comps. And I was like, oh, no. So lo and behold, our appraisals came in very low and we would have been able to pull out all of our money plus some. And instead, we had to leave a big chunk of money in the deal. And that was frustrating because that was all of our momentum moving forward, right? You know, we do the entry and then we refi, pull our money out and keep moving on. So that was a big hit. And that is one of the reasons I changed to multifamily because I was like, you know what? I will never experience this again. I get it. I learned my lesson. I wouldn't do it again, but I've had enough. we move moving <laughs> on. I'm going to the financial route. And it wasn't because it was just of my mistake of not understanding how it's going to be valued but it was the basis of how it was valued, right? Because Joe Schmo down the street has a house worth whatever, and he did X amount of improvements, that affects my property's value. I hate that, I think it's ridiculous. I'm an analytic, I want it to go by the numbers, if I pull in X amount of income, and my expenses are X, I want it to be based on that, not, you know, some guy down the street that's having a barbecue and burned down his house, and now that's my problem. So, (laughs) that's a big one that hit me.
0: Oh, dude, I love it. I love it. And I'm, I'm sorry that happened. But uh, like <laughs> yeah, you said, fine. lessons learned, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. All
0: right, so moving forward and moving on to it, man, I, I I know that you and I, we like to try to keep these at 30 minutes or less. And we're pushing time just about jumping towards almost 28 minutes on. It's been a phenomenal interview. It's been a phenomenal time. I always enjoy conversations with you. What do you say about us introducing to those watching about the point of view.
1: Oh, I love it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Let's get into it.
0: Yeah. Yep. Let's get into it. All right. So for those all. That, for the, I will kick it off. I got you back. For those that have seen other podcasts, other shows, um, some people refer to it as like the lightning round. Some people refer to it as like rapid fire or, or uh, the, the, the fire round, whatever you call it. Just questions back to back to back, short answers. And we're just going to let you know It's raw footage, right? It's knee-jerk reaction, and we're just going to tell you how it is, and then we're just going to keep moving on. And this is how we like to end each one of our interviews. This is the very first one that we're doing. So we're going to see how it goes, but I know it'll be fine. It's fine. We got this. We
1: do do these live, though. So we have a little experience with them, but it's going to be a different take. So at least we have that going for us.
0: It's true. It's true. It's true. It's true. All right. So question number one for you. What separates top-performing investors from the rest of the crowd?
1: I love this question. And I could go on about this for what I feel like is hours on end, but I will say the biggest thing that I've seen that uh, separates these people, the best from the not best is the perseverance and the drive. Um, I think persevering through whatever is necessary, having that I will do it no matter what at all costs is what separates the best to be the best. I think that's
0: that's it. I love the answer. I love it. I love it. So Would you like me to answer? You want to shoot back with question two? I want to hear your answer. Sure. I think you nailed it. Honestly, those that are able to stay consistent, those that are able to put their best foot forward, even on days that they're like, I don't want to get out of bed. Those that are like, man, I've got a 10 year old, I've got a two year old, I've got a nine to five, but I need to grind and I need to get it done. Those kind of folks are the folks that, and and again, it's nothing, nothing against anyone else, but I'm saying those that are able to prioritize. And honestly, we're reading the book 10 X times or or is better greater than two X, right? So Mm -hmm. those that are able to 10 X their lives by thinking bigger, you know, if you want to change your present, you've got to dream bigger with your future. Right. And so those are the ones that are really going to separate cream of the tra- crop, in my opinion.
1: I love it. I love it. All right. Give me a daily habit that contributes to your success.
0: Daily habit for me is my morning ritual. My morning ritual is very simple, straightforward every day that I can. Um, I like to get up. I like to try to hit the gym by about somewhere between 430, 445. Come home, make my tea, get myself together and rain or shine whether I feel like I, I, I'm a little sick, whatever the situation may be, get myself together, throw on my clothes. I'm notorious no matter if it's 100 degrees out or if it's negative 10 degrees out. I throw on my attire, put my tie on, wash my face, get, get the smile on, and I try to move myself together. And I, just try, I try to stay meticulous with everything that I do. And the, one of the other big things is I, I've got a BHAG, right? Big, hairy, audacious goals. And I keep my why- in my heart. You know, and that why is what drives me forward. So what about you? What daily habit contributes to your success?
1: Yeah, I live and die by something called mins, most important next step. And so I have a laundry list every day right of things to do and some of them are fires as I call them, some of them are building tests that are important um and I every day I pick three things, three mins that actually get me forward. And my goal for that day is to complete one or all three of those mins. If I complete those three things, I had a very successful day and I'm moving forward. And if I didn't, then I wasted time on things that probably don't matter, or at least aren't going to move me forward. So that's one thing that definitely affects me.
0: I love that. Give us that acronym again.
1: Mins, most important. Next step.
0: Love that. Love that. Love that.
1: Yeah. 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 All right. What is a piece of advice that you would give to yourself if you were starting again?
0: Quick answer don't rent the fence and family, dude. What are you thinking? <laughs> no, but you know, in, in all seriousness, uh, if I was starting all over again, I would tell myself or a younger version of myself to say, hey, think about systems, find yourself a mentor much faster, find yourself somebody that's where you would like to be, and then also somebody that is currently uh, just a few steps ahead. Learn, figure out the systems that they've put in place learn their daily habits, their routines, and the circles that they run in, and then surround yourself. Because one of the biggest things that I I did not understand back then is when you surround yourself with people that are like-minded or have that growth mindset, it'll help elevate you to get to the next level. I I would too often surround myself with somebody that would tell me, no, this can't be done, uh, which is a motivator in and of itself, because you (laughs) tell me I can't do something, I'm going to get it done. But I think I could 10x myself way faster if I would have round some folks that were also like, how can we 10x the group? And for yourself, what piece of advice would you give yourself if you were starting all over again?
1: Yeah, that's a tough one because right there's another thing that you could go on about forever. If I had to say something that I wish I would have understood, I feel like I almost knew this, I just didn't understand the severity of it. Mm-hmm. Is to pick one thing and just be really, really good at it and stick to it. One of the things that I messed up on is I went to all sorts of different things, kind of shiny object syndrome. I mean, I did it because I found out I didn't like it and I moved on. So in my eyes, I was justified. However, if I would have just sucked it up and just stuck at one of those things and became phenomenal at it, I would have been a lot farther faster. Would I change anything that happened now? No, but I think that's how you can get somewhere faster.
0: I love that. I love that. Not going to change it because it it made you who you are today, but definitely with these little sprinkles of nuggets, this is what's going to help me out a little bit easier. I love that.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah.
0: So final question and then we'll wrap it up and we'll we'll get out of here with final thoughts. But what is the biggest non-monetary benefit that you've gotten from real estate investing?
1: Freedom. No doubt. Hands down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, I think no better reason to do this, right? I mean, I'm so blessed that I am full-time real estate and I can do whatever I want to do. You know, I don't have a ton of money. It's not like that. It's not like I can just do anything. But in the time aspect, I can do whatever I want to do. If I need to go do something in the middle of the day, I just go do it. Uh, If I need to do something afternoon, morning, whatever, I can shift my schedule completely around and I have absolute freedom of time. And so I'm beyond blessed for that. And that is hands down the biggest I think even just general benefit of real estate investing. But what do you think?
0: Dude, I love that. I, I mean, even, even though you, you kind of just threw a little shade, I'll be like, yeah, I'm, I, I got uh, no W2, so ha <laughs> to you. Uh, you know, I, I, I appreciate that. I'm going to cry that. It's fine. It's fine. Look, look, it's nothing
1: personal. I'm just saying it's it's one of the benefits <laughs> that comes with full time.
0: Things to look forward to, right?
1: Give you 30 days. You'll be full time in 30 days.
0: 30 days. All right. I, I love it. I love it. I appreciate that. Uh, no, I think not monetary. I think the freedom is an amazing one, but it's the connection, the family, and the network, right? Because for me, it's helping me open my eyes to, and we'll touch on this in on a later episode. But I kept going into real estate with, when I had no knowledge of it, that real estate was now I've collected all of these things. It's me that's the property manager, me that's the owner, me, me, me. Now, heck no. I was completely wrong. Real estate is a team sport, bro. If you didn't know that, you mm-hmm. need to know that now. You know, things get so much easier when you understand that you don't have to do everything all by yourself. Surround yourself by like-minded individuals, come up with ideas, form partnerships, get the job done. And that to me, I mean, that's priceless. I mean, it just makes life so much better, but I, I, that's just my side of it.
1: I love it. I love it. I think it's a fantastic answer. And you know what? I completely agree. I completely agree. But like you said, I want to wrap up here. A couple things I think were just amazing that we covered. I think it's cool talking about our stories, where we came from. Um, you know, you starting in social work, going through your burrs, going through your creative strategies, huge wins out of that, headed into Multifam. fam different lending aspects, you know, different challenges that we overcame and just all the different pieces of this. And it's, it's exciting to hear. So do you have any final advice or recommendations before we get out of here?
0: Well, thanks Cole. Thanks for passing it over to me. First, I just want to say awesome job, man. I appreciate it. Couldn't have chose anybody else better fitting to be my co-host for everything that we got going on, man. Thanks, man. Amazing Likewise. partnership. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and hearing your story. Every time it gets better and better, every time that we go into it, we get a little bit deeper and, and understanding more and taking the five unit, understanding that you have underwrote wrong, uh, and now they don't go bad. <laughs> I appreciate you sharing that embarrassing story. Uh, but no, final thoughts and moving forward, man. I would just like to say thank you all so much, everybody that's out there that's watching. You could be anywhere in the world, but you decided to be here watching, hanging out. Give it a like, give it a share, turn the notifications on, leave a comment. Let us know your thoughts on this. And if there are things that you would like us to talk about, things that you'd like us to go into in more depth, or if there are things that were said today that maybe you just didn't quite understand, let us know. Reach out. We're just two human beings down to earth. And this, what you see is kind of what you get. So I want to say thank y'all so much for everything. Thank y'all for your time. And if you're new into real estate or just getting into it or an experienced investor, continue to push forward. Times are going to get tough. Things might get a little frustrating. Trust us. We know. We're out here analyzing deals nonstop. We're banging our heads against the wall. Numbers are crazy off the charts. Oh, yeah. Just hang in there. there. It will get better. You will get that deal done. Things will happen for you. So thank you all so much.
1: Love it. See you guys soon.
0: Take care. Thanks for listening to Views. If you enjoyed today's show, take a second to hit the like button. And if you haven't already, subscribe to our channel so you never miss an episode. Until next time, peace and love.